morning, I'm going to begin in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 19, and uh, I'm going to read on through verse 25. Now, in this particular thing, uh, what we're reading here, Peter's dealing with a master-servant relationship, but I think it's applicable to our lives every day. I'm going to pick it up in verse 19 and go on through. He says in verse 19, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering, wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. You may be seated. Let me just share this thought with you this morning. If you're a human being, <laughs> and I'm assuming most of you are, you can say amen again, right? You've been hurt in your lifetime. Somebody has hurt you. And as I share that with you, if you're a human being, sometimes people who are close to you hurt you. That hurt comes by way of criticism sometimes, doesn't it? And they're very critical maybe of our actions or our behavior uh, or critical toward us. And criticism to the point that they can even use hateful words and be angry and use hateful words toward us. And sometimes it even gets to the place where they spread lies and they say stuff about you that's not true. And sometimes that occurs in our lives, doesn't it? And we feel like we want to vindicate ourselves, don't we? We have to correct this wrong. We must take charge of this thing. Well, I'm going to show you what Christ did. And I, I want to challenge us in our thinking this morning. When critics come, sometimes pain often follows. And that type of pain is an emotional pain sometimes. And sometimes you may be involved in it. And sometimes people whom you love might get involved in it. And there are those that just want to be involved in it sometimes just because they like to gossip. Amen? Just say amen. They like to spread news, good or bad, true or false. They just like to spread it. And they like to get involved in stuff. The Lord refers to these words and this type of talk as idle. And believe me, I'm going to give you a verse, and we really ought to hold on to this verse when I give it to you. But uh, he reminds us that a day of accounting is coming. A day of reckoning. By the way, he uses that terminology often in the scriptures, and that's an accounting term saying, hey, listen, one day everything's going to be reconciled unto him, amen? And what is truth will prevail, amen? Because everything that was false and was a lie is going to fall, and it goes to a wasteland called hell, and everything that is truth will prevail, amen? When I look at this, the Bible says, and you ought to write this down, Matthew 12, 36 and 37, but I say unto you, and this is Jesus speaking, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. That word idle means useless. That word means that it has no value whatsoever. 
And so for every valueless word that we speak, every useless word that comes out of our mouth, God says there's going to be a day of accounting for that. <laughs> I often liken it to this. I can go out and I can get in my car and I can just let it idle. And it's really not doing anything. It can't take me anywhere if I just leave it in park and it idles. What's it doing? Nothing really but burning up energy. Idle words burn up a lot of time. Idle words are useless words spoken by the mouths of men and women. So he says this, and I want you to think about this, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now I believe that goes to salvation too because there'll be a time when we stand before God, amen, and I'm either saved or not saved, and so by my words, are you with me? By my words there's an accountability there, but I also believe that the words that we speak, he brought this up, because he was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he said, I just want you to know, every useless word that comes out of your mouth, you're going to be held accountable for that. Because it's useless. It's no value. And we need to be cautious about words that come out of our mouth. Now, how many of you understand criticism is a part of life? Amen? And it just comes. It comes as part of life. It's criticism, and it happens to all of us. And criticism is a part of life, and at times you hurt as a result. And by the way, that is not abnormal. That is very normal, <laughs> to hurt because of what people say. And, and I've heard the old adage that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, but no words kill people. And even when forgiveness takes place, those words have still stained people, amen? amen. And they've hurt folks, and they've stained relationships. And so we ought to be cautious about things that we say. Now, how many here have thought, and maybe on your job, I'm walking out of here. I'm done. I'm finished. I don't want to do this anymore. Anybody ever feel that way? Now, if you don't, you're lying. <laughs> a lot of times we just want to go, I'm done. Brother Bill, how many times in the Navy did you want to jump off the ship, right? <laughs> Several. But there are times we're just kind of done. Anybody with me? I'm just done. And why is it? I want to vindicate myself. I, I have these emotions and these feelings, and these things have been said, and these things have been done, and these people are saying this, and these people are saying that, and oh my goodness, time to slap it down, isn't it? <laughs> and we come to that place sometimes, perhaps even telling the Lord, if my decision has messed up anything in this place, move me out of here. That's normal. That's normal to do those kinds of things. Not abnormal. Lord brings someone in, uh, and, and, and just help them do a better job than I've done because all I'm getting is criticism. All I have is critics telling me what I'm doing wrong. No one helping me to do what's right. <laughs> you know what's the easiest thing in the world to do? Is be a critic. I always wanted to be one of those movie critics, amen? Anybody ever want to do that? You just go watch films all day long and say, oh, thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know, you know, thumbs down, thumbs up. I mean, and, and they get paid money to do that. I'll write articles about stuff like that because you know it's easy to criticize, isn't it? It's easy to see what's wrong. You know it's hard? To fix things, to make things right, to do things right. And sometimes when you're doing things right, you're going to have critics. I think our president is overly criticized. I think he's criticized at times for things that he should be, but I think he's overly criticized. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. I sure wouldn't. And some of it is a result of his own actions, and some of it is a result of his own words, but some of it is not merited at all. <laughs> and they're lies, and they're false, and they're fake. 
And a lot of that happens. And so you think about it, uh, it, 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 it's not just that it's abnormal to hurt, it is normal to hurt. And it's not a matter of this, folks. Well, just suck it up. <laughs> just suck it up. You'll be all right. Just bottle it up. You know, all my life I heard that from the time I was a little kid, just suck it up. Just bottle it up. Don't worry about it. And it causes people to compartmentalize things. Amen. Kind of put this over here and take care of that when that happens and here and here. And we all get into that shape. I think today our society is a little too sensitive. Now, I'm not as sensitive as a lot of people are, but I can see a high level of sensitivity today. And, and it's difficult. And they think that because I disagree with them, that they have a right to attack me personally because I disagree with a stance that they take. And I'm sharing with you a lot of this, folks, is taking place on social media. It's not a matter of suck it up or bottle it up or have some internal fortitude, but I will tell you this, don't quit. <laughs> don't quit. Life is tough sometimes, isn't it? And, and it gets hard. It doesn't get any easier. I, 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 my brother is down at Columbus Hospital. He's just about three years older than me, and, and he's in the hospital down there, and, and he was at work. He works for Kroger's, and he works on their tractor trailers for them in, the, in their shop there. And he went to pick up a tire the other day, and he couldn't move his arms. Something happened to all the nerves in his body. And he doesn't know what's gone wrong. <laughs> so I picked up the phone, and I called him, and he told me, he said they had to lay the phone up by his head. He can't lift his arms up. His nerves are going in his hands and his arms and his shoulders. <laughs> Just 57 years old. So I told him, I said, you know, I saw a man have a shirt on one day. And I said, this is getting old stuff ain't for sissies. Because <laughs> it gets harder as you get older, doesn't it? And I, I, I love talking to young people because they're so ambitious and so eager and so looking forward to things, you know. And uh, Ann Landers, how many of you remember her? She used to write a column in the newspaper, Dear Ann Landers, or whatever it was. And, and it went from birth to the coffin was the article. <laughs> And we're always looking for some age that we're going to get to that this is going to take place, right? And so when I turn 16, when I turn 18, when I turn 21, when I turn 26, when I turn 40, when I turn 65, and before you know it, you're turning over in the grave. <laughs> and we're always looking for something, aren't we? Now, here it is. When I look at this, I'm going to talk about being an overcomer by the power of Christ and His Word today. Because we all face criticism. We all face trouble. We all face heartaches. We all face things. Do not, and you might want to write this down, do not let petty people or petty problems determine your destiny. Do not let petty people or petty problems determine what you're going to do. Take a stance with the Word of God. And I'm going to show you how today. When I look at what my Savior did, it's amazing to me. Many of us will make resolutions, some sort of resolution this year, and you're going to have naysayers in your life already. I don't know how many people said, this year is the year. The weight's coming off. And by January 30th, we're already packing it back on at McDonald's. Right? And we get that way. And you're going to have naysayers in your life. But do you know if you're determined and you're walking with the Lord and that's the decision that you've made and you're praying to God, I don't see any reason why he won't answer your prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. He'll do it for you. All you have to do is make that determination and move toward that goal. 
here's the thing. Uh, there'll be people who criticize you uh, because of decisions that you've made, and you're going to have discouragement enter into your life in 2020. But here's the thing. Walk with God. Go to Him. There is a wisdom which cometh from above that's first pure, then peaceable, and fully entreated. <laughs> it's without hypocrisy, by the way. God doesn't step back on His Word. He gives you exactly what you need. Now, here's the thing. I see in the Scriptures times people who were criticized. How many of you remember King Hezekiah? I love King Hezekiah in the Bible. How many of you know who I'm talking about this morning? King Hezekiah, he had some trouble. Now, he was a good king. <laughs> in fact, he was probably, beside David himself, probably one of the best kings. And yet, criticism came his way, attacks came his way, and I love what he did. <laughs> so write this verse down, because this is what he did when critics and criticism, when the enemy attacked, here's what he did. It says in uh, 2 Kings 19.14, And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. <laughs> now, I can stop there because I know when he read it, it was a problem. All you got to do is go back and read the story. It was a problem. And he began to read that letter, and as he did, here's what he did with the news that he received. Now, many of us may not do this, but I want to challenge you to do this very thing when things come this way. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it, and Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Now, we'll spread it before Facebook. We'll spread it before Snapchat. We'll spread it before other people. We'll pick up the phone and call. We'll spread it by texting. How many of you will spread it before the Lord when it comes? We'll do all of those things and never seek his face. I like King Hezekiah. How about you? Huh? He spread it before the Lord. Now, this message is not intended to discourage you in any stretch of the imagination. This is going to be to encourage you. And, and when I look at this, I know you get hurt, and our families often get hurt, and oftentimes we have to hide it, but we must give ourselves over to prayer and the Lord to sustain us. Now, we've just been singing this song, <laughs> I cast all of my care upon you, right? I lay all of my burdens down at your feet, and when I don't know what to do, right, I cast all of my what? Care upon you. Let me give you another verse that goes along with that. It was actually written based off of this verse that I'm about to give you, Psalm 55:22. Psalm 55:22 says, Cast thy burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He never said, I'm going to take it away. He said, he'll sustain you. <laughs> and we often want it to just go away, but he says, I'll sustain you. Now notice this. He says in that passage, he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. In other words, take a stand. It's okay. But stick with the stuff. Now, the challenge for us this morning, are you following the steps of Christ when critics, criticism, and hurt come into your life? So God defines what is acceptable to him, and we must follow the steps that Christ laid out for us in these particular passages. <laughs> and so when I look at this, one of the things that he teaches us when we're faced with critics and criticism, he tells us to endure the suffering. Endure the suffering. He never said attack back. He said endure the suffering. The second thing he taught us is this. Follow the steps of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Follow the steps of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you say, say amen. amen. If you're excited, you're above the daisies today. Say amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. 
And what I want to challenge you with this is the first obligation with facing criticism is endurance. Notice this, what he says here. He said, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering how? Wrongfully. In other words, you've been treated poorly, and he says that we're supposed to endure this. Now watch this. He then says this in verse 20, and get a hold of this. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, so in other words, whenever you're taken to task for what you did wrong, <laughs> does that make sense? When I've said something silly or I've done something wrong and you're taken to account for that, here's what he says. He said, for what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if, now watch this, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is what blows a gasket for me. He said, this is acceptable with God. When people do you wrong and you continue to do right, that's what's acceptable to God. Now, if you've done something wrong <laughs> and you're taken to task for it, God says, and you take it patiently, he goes, basically, so what? You did wrong. <laughs> but when you haven't done anything, when you've tried to do the right thing, <laughs> when you're trying to move in the right direction, when you're trying to help and it comes across as hurt, are you with me? God says, and you take that patiently. <laughs> That's acceptable with him. Here's what I want to challenge you. There's thoughts with. Peter's dealing with a slave and a master situation, but I think we can apply this to worker, co-worker, uh, boss, employee, however you want to look at it. We can apply it any way we want. So one thing I want you to know is hurting people, listen to what I'm about to tell you, hurting people will often hurt others because they are hurting. Did you hear what I just said? Hurting people will often hurt others because they are hurting. That's why they do it sometimes. I'm not saying that's always the case, but I'm telling you hurting people often will try to hurt others because they are hurting. The next thing is there are some people that are just angry people and their desire is just to hurt others. There's just some people, how many of you know people like that? They're just mad all the time. Their entire life they're just angry. And they live their life that way, and that's how they treat others around them. And I'm having a bad day, and so are you, because I am. <laughs> and so there's that situation. There are then just what I call evildoers that are among us, and Peter talks about that. You're there in your Bible in 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at chapter 4 with me. Look at verse 15. Here's what the Bible says. He said, now don't suffer for these reasons. <laughs> don't suffer for these reasons. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer. And you ready for the rest of this? I, this blows a gasket for your pastor. He has a murderer, a thief, and an evildoer. And guess who he throws in with that group? You can say, you got a Bible, I hope, amen. What does he say? Busy a busybody. He throws them in with a murderer, a thief, and an evildoer. And when you're a busybody in other men's matters, <laughs> woo! That means get off of Facebook, amen? Get off your high horse. Get focused on what God's doing in your life and don't be so concerned about what everybody else is doing. Now, how many have had that Monday morning thought that, you know what? 
I remember when I was a kid, we used to say it a little bit differently than this. I know it's biblical now. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me. I might as well go eat worms. <laughs> Anybody ever hear that? <laughs> and sometimes we get that way, don't we? That's Monday morning. You know, you got to go to work. I don't want to go to work. <laughs> Here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. Psalm 22:6. But I am a worm. <laughs> and no man a re- uh, and no man a reproach of men and despised of the people. And we kind of get that way. I call that, that, that's that day we're just feeling sorry for ourselves, aren't we? And, and then he tells us this over in Isaiah 53, 3. He is despised. Who are we talking about now? He is rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's our Savior. So, you know, sometimes people aren't going to like us I got family that doesn't like me because I'm saved. I'm being truthful with you folks. Because I'm saved, they do not like me. And you say, no, Pastor, I'll give you a list of why they really don't like (laughs) (laughs) But the fact is, is that we have folks that just dislike us for whatever reason that may be. And the Lord tells us in the midst of grief and suffering, we are to be Thankworthy. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Say, wait a minute, what did he just say? For this is thankworthy. (laughs) This is something we ought to be thankful for. Are you with me? This is something we ought to be okay about. In other words, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, we ought to be thankful for that if we're doing that. And that's what's coming our way because we are serving God. And so he tells us we ought to be thankworthy. Now, He also says that in verse 20 that we need to endure. And so he tells us, for what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you shall take it patiently, but if when you do well and suffer for it you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. We need to endure during those times. Carry on. Move on. Now, this is not you trying to go it alone, but it requires a dependent heart on Christ. And if you are thankworthy, I think it's this, in the midst of our hardships, we have a divine intervention. Are you with me? Are you saved today? We have a divine intervention, don't we? We have someone there for us. Even if nobody's there for us, he's there for us. And, and you see that divine intervention, and you see how then that should influence our heart, how that should make us approach it differently. Are you with me? Because I have something divine that intervenes in my life and helps me to view it differently. Now, I shared with someone the other day, I'm a very pragmatic person. I listen to both sides and I try to be sensible, amen? Are you with me? I mean, I'm just a pragmatic person. I listen to both sides and I say, now, what is truth? And and you have to look at things that way sometimes. And and sometimes we're just so lopsided. Would you agree? (laughs) We can fall one way or the other. We just get lopsided on our thoughts. Never willing to listen, but only willing to just state what we're going to do. Never really willing to listen to what someone else might be dealing with. And here's the thing. Turn to 1 Peter 5.10. Peter wrote a pretty good letter here. Would you agree? It's a pretty good letter. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 10 with me. I love this. And you ought to underline this in your Bible because if you're saved, this is your God. I want you to read this very carefully with me. But the God of all, what kind of God is he? God of all grace, isn't he? Now notice this. 
who have called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's a pretty powerful passage, isn't it? He said, when you suffer for a while, I'll take care of all those things. I believe that goes back to that psalm of sustaining you in the time and that the righteous shall not be moved. We ought to stick with God's word. We ought not be moved by what happens around us. We ought to stick to whom Christ is in this situation. And, 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 and here's the thing. Let me challenge you not to retaliate in times of criticism, but take it patiently. Uh, it, it takes a dedicated man of God to take it when you're right. And believe me, all of us have been in that situation at times where we know that we've not done wrong, but we've done right, and we're getting grief because we did right. And I, I want to challenge you, when that comes your way, God said, that's when you take it patiently. That's whenever you, you go on with yourself. Listen, it is acceptable with God, and every idle word that comes out of that other person's mouth is going to be held accountable by God. <laughs> Are you with me? And so you have to say to yourself, I'm going to be cautious with the words that come out of my mouth because the words that came out of their mouth, they're going to have to give an account before our almighty God. And he is the God of all grace, but God is also there. And he said, don't use those idle words, didn't he? Be careful. Now, consider that we're not always right. How many of you realize you're not always right? I know, Pastor, I'm right. We're not always right. We're just not. We like to be, don't we? But we're not. And when you consider that we're not always right, and sometimes we receive the critics and the criticism because we're at fault, what happens then? God said, so what? <laughs> when you're wrong. Now, it doesn't mean he loves you any less, but you're just wrong and you're, you're suffering for it. Now, here's the thing. I told you I was going to give you seven keys, right? Did I tell you that? Yeah. Here's seven keys for you. I'll try to say them slowly. One of the keys to this is when you receive criticism, remember this, not all critics set out to hurt you. Not all critics set out to hurt you. So what I'm telling you is be careful. Don't lump every critic into the same together. Because here's the reason. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes people are actually being kind to us by telling us something. And, and, and they're just coming to us as a friend. They're faithful. They want to help. They're not trying to hurt you. But boy, we take things wrong, don't we? <laughs> so not all critics are sending out to hurt you, so be careful. Don't lump them together. Second thing. Some critics come seeking to truly understand. Some critics come to try to understand. They, they have a legitimate concern sometimes, and they're trying to understand. doesn't mean that they're just criticizing you. They're, they're coming to you and saying, I have a legitimate concern. Can you help me? And maybe they're coming to you, and you're that point of contact for them. So not all critics set out to hurt you, so be careful. Don't lump them together. And some critics come seeking to truly understand. So... You know, they have a genuine concern. They want to help you. And so they're not mad or angry. Number three, the critic may be a friend to come to help you. They may be a friend. And we're looking at him almost as an enemy now rather than a friend. And the critic may be a friend to help you. Listen, even if their spirit is wrong in the way that they raise their heart, uh, it, it, it might be just 
a spirit, an attitude, but listen, take it to be a genuine heart sometimes. Don't always try to attack. And sometimes that's just what we do. And so whenever you're there and you're dealing with this, I want to try to get you to the place where you think to yourself, maybe this is really a friend seeking to help me and not just a critic coming to criticize me. Try to, try to look at it as a genuine heart, not as an angry person. Let me give you this one. This is all for... <laughs> there are blind spots in us. How many of you know that? I have my blind spots. <laughs> we all have them. One of my children uh, were driving down in Sydney, and they've got two side mirrors, okay? And they looked in their side mirror, and of all things, Jessica, they ran into a police officer. <laughs> they could not see because they had a blind spot in their mirror. How many of you know what a blind spot is? You just don't see it. They didn't hit him. They shifted lanes. Didn't see him in the mirror. Well, that costs you something, <laughs> doesn't it? And as sweet as he was, this is for you, a present, and it costs this much, right? And here's the thing. They had a blind spot. Sometimes we have some blind spots in our lives that we just can't see. We're entering into another lane, and we're cutting somebody else off. Are you with me? And it happens to us, doesn't it? And so we have these blind spots in us, and they may have insight and genuinely want to help protect us or want to help us. So here's what I want to tell you. How many of you have seen little kids do this? Because they don't want to what? Now, we wouldn't do that, would we, as adults? We wouldn't go... But that's what we're doing sometimes, aren't we? Oftentimes, here's what we're doing. We're waiting for them to take a breath so we can say what we want to say. We've never heard a word that came out of their mouth. Never heard a word they said. We're just going to tell you what I think. Now listen, I have a wife and she has a husband. <laughs> Amen? And I know there are times when she's telling me something and I'm not listening. I'm waiting for my turn to talk. Just say amen at that point. Amen? We do it. Every one of us do. We're just waiting for our turn to talk. I heard. Well, let me tell you. And that's how we get. We do it with our children. Our children do it with us. We do it with workers. We do it with co-workers. We do it with church members. We do it all over the place. But we're only waiting for our turn to talk. I don't care what you just said. Is really what you're saying. I know what I think. I already have held my position. I know what I'm going to do. And if you would just shut up for a minute, I'll tell you how the way it is supposed to be. Uh-oh. That's a blind spot, isn't it? And we better watch out, especially with our wives. Amen? Here it is. It's easier to take criticism from someone you know and trust. How many of you would believe that? Hmm? Sometimes it is. It's easier for me to take criticism from someone I know and trust and not necessarily somebody that I don't know. And I'm thinking sometimes when they do that, I'm going, who do you think you are? Now, I wouldn't say that out loud, Jody. I just think that inside my head. <laughs> I'd never just say, who do you think you are? But inside your head, you're thinking that. 
You can say amen again. I know this stuff is true. You know why? I have red blood flowing through my veins. I am a saved man. I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, and the things I'm sharing with you I know are true because it happens to all of us. When I look at this, even if they come with some negative insight, here's what I want you to do. Receive it with a soft heart and pray. I've had people bring things to me right here in this church, and it's changed my thinking. You have to receive some things with a soft heart sometimes and listen and pray about it. And just because they've come doesn't mean they're wrong. They might just want to share something with you at times. And I think it's wonderful. It's sweet when they approach you in a nice manner, but sometimes they don't. <laughs> but receive it with a soft heart. Receive it with a soft heart, pray. Communicate back openly and be transparent with them. And here's the one thing. It's easier to take criticism from someone you know, but have a soft heart, even if it comes negatively. But number six, be willing to change sometimes. What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you want, do you know how old I am? If you think at any point in my, I'm going to change, you've got to be kidding me. Be willing to change sometimes. Listen. Allow the insight to come. Number seven, let the criticism strengthen your resolve. Let the criticism strengthen your resolve. In other words, when the trials come, usually sometimes they're just an indicator that you might be on the right path doing the right thing. I don't think everything our president done has been wrong. I just don't. But I think how he's approached some things at times has been wrong. His language, things that he says, how he goes about it. I get uncomfortable with it. I wish sometimes he wouldn't be that way. And then we say, well, I'm glad he is because you know how these people are over here, right? Isn't that what we do? We justify to ourselves. Well, they deserve it because they're like this. <laughs> and so we need somebody like him to do that to them. And I'm thinking, no. No. <laughs> That's not always what we need. I think he would just be just as powerful, just as strong, because I remember a man named Ronald Reagan. <laughs> when I look at this, I think every one of us would admit sometime that we've made a bad decision. Have we not? At some point, we've made bad decisions. We've made bad decisions, and man... When, when you make a bad decision, how do you feel inside? <laughs> and you do something and you're thinking to yourself, man, if I could just, how many wish you had that rewind, you know what I mean? You could go backward for a second. Just give me 10 seconds back and I wouldn't have said that. Or give me 15 minutes ago and I wouldn't have behaved that way. Or give me, give me an hour ago, give me a day ago, give me a week ago, give me a month ago, give me a year ago, give me five years ago. I wouldn't have done that. I haven't found the rewind button yet. <laughs> but there is forgiveness, isn't there? And thank God we have a forgiving God. And I look at this and I see this and I see in the scriptures, he said, but if when you do well, you take it patiently. Listen, anybody can fight back. Anybody can fight back. Anybody can. And they will at times. And, and, and I believe that it takes a spirit-filled man, a spirit-filled woman 
and the will of God to avoid doing that. And let me tell you why. Because the Bible says this, even Moses himself, in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 14, it says, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your what? Peace. That was a real enemy coming at a real time, coming at Moses and the children of Israel, standing where they could not get across, and the only way they were going to make it is if God intervened. Would you agree? And if God can split the Red Sea, can he cause the enemy to cease? Are you with me? Is there something between me and the enemy? Yes, it's that divine intervention. It is my God, my Holy Spirit, which resides inside of me, my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's there for me. And listen, when I mess up, he forgives me, doesn't he? What a powerful God we serve. And I look to this, and I see this. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans rather quickly. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Everybody with me, say amen. amen. Look at verse 16. Boy, if we would do this, we'd probably avoid a lot of stuff. You ready? This is wonderful. This is amazing. How many of you love the Word of God? I look at stuff and I'm going, man, if we would just do this, we'd be fine. (laughs) Watch this. Be of the same uh, mind, one toward what? We're done. Because we'd all be thinking alike, wouldn't we? (laughs) Watch this now. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Here's our problem. Be not wise in your own what? Well, let me tell you something. (laughs) I'll give it to you straight. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Be not wise in your own what? Conceits. (laughs) Now watch what God says. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And here's where we are. If it be possible, you say, well, let me tell you, that's where I get in on this thing because it's not possible. He wouldn't have said it if it's not possible. (laughs) He said, if it be possible, watch what he says, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with only those you like, only those you love, only those you get along with. (laughs) Doesn't say it, does it? It's all men. It's toward all men. Now watch, dearly beloved, (laughs) this is the part we hate, avenge not what? So if you're not going to avenge yourself, what's he telling me to do? Knock it off. (laughs) Isn't that what he's telling me? Don't retaliate. Don't go after it. Watch what he says. He said, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the whom? Who's going to take care of it for you? Is it any different than Moses standing there and God saying to him in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your what? He's told us now in the New Testament, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. But that's not what we want. We want to vindicate ourselves. We're going to get this situation right. God, stand back. The wrath of Bob is about to come. And that's what we do. Now, we'd never say it that way, but sometimes that's our actions and behavior and our mindset. 
Now notice what he says here. This is tough for us. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, if thine enemy hunger, if my enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. In so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on their head. Right? The tables have turned, haven't they? Let me tell you two reasons the table turned. Because you didn't take vengeance and because you did what God said. Are you with me? What does it say? Two things. Don't take vengeance. Right? Let God handle the thing. Are you with me? Let him do it. And do just the opposite of what you're thinking about doing. My pastor used to say, bake them cookies. <laughs> and give it to them. Give them something that way. Now, here's the thing. That last verse tells us this, and this is the position that we ought to hold when it comes to critics and criticism. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't do wrong. Don't do wrong to do right. So the challenge to us is, like Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, think about this, and being in agony, he prayed the more earnestly as sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. <laughs> he knew what was coming, and it was falsely accused, was he not? He was falsely accused. He was falsely going to go hang on a cross. People had mocked him. People had criticized him. They had despised him. They had rejected him. They had done all these things. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and what does it say? And when in agony, he prayed the more earnestly. That's what we really need to do. We need to pray more and get off Facebook, get off Snapchat, get off our high horse, get off of what we think is right and go about it the right way. Change your thinking. Be willing to change. <laughs> Be willing to move in a different direction. Now, I know my Savior understands my hurts. I'm going to give you this because I've got to get this finished for you today. I know my Savior understands our hurts. He understands our pains. He understands our criticism. And when he was in agony, he prayed the more earnestly. In Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, I want you to understand, he understands you personally. He understands what you're going through. Whether it's physical pain, whether it's financial pain, whether it's the pain of hurtful statements, hurtful rejection, hurtful whatever it is, God understands. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. You ought to write that down because you're going to need that because something's going to come your way either today tomorrow or within the confines of 2020 and it's going to come your way and you're going to need this and you're going to wonder why this was preached to you today and God's going to say I have something that I'm trying to give you and you need to pay attention because it's going to come your way and when that criticism comes what are you going to do about it and so the challenge is is turn to God who understands us when critics and criticism come remember that you have a God that loves you and you do not need to give up you do not need to give in. You do not need to quit. <laughs> you need to forge ahead. Keep moving in the right direction. And here's the challenge. Are you following the steps of Christ when critics and criticism come? Now, I want to give you something because this second obligation is so important. And here's the second obligation. Follow Christ. Follow in his steps. Look in 1 Peter here. He says then in uh, verse 21... For even here are two where you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example 
And notice what it says, that ye, that word you, he means you specifically, by the way. That's the word ye. He means you specifically. He said that ye should follow his what? You follow his steps. Not what you think you ought to do, but you ought to follow his steps. When you follow his steps, things are different. And you, you made maybe some bad decisions. And sure, you might have a reason that some folks have walked away from you. And, and you may be hurting. You may be upset. Listen, that's normal when stuff like that happens. And we've all made bad decisions. And we've all done foolish things. And here's the thing. God tells us in his word in 1 John 3, 20 and 21. Listen to this now very carefully. God's word's powerful, folks. He gives us exactly what we need. He doesn't just put the salve on the wound. He heals. Amen? He heals us from an eternal hell. He can heal us from hurts in our lives. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, the Bible says this, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. So maybe you've made some bad decisions. You say, Preacher, what are you trying to tell me? Sometimes we condemn ourselves over things we've done in the past. You can say amen again, right? Sometimes we're still allowing those things to linger, aren't we? And they just hang around. And God says, come to me. I will forget. I'll take care of that for you. But we allow that to linger in our lives. And God says, I'm a forgiving God. If our heart condemn us, listen to me, God is greater than our what? Heart. He's greater than us, folks. Now notice what he says beyond that now, and this is where you need to get a hold of this. He says then in that same set of passages, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. When you're condemning yourself, your confidence is not in God, it's in yourself. Preacher, why are you so tough? (laughs) It's the truth. When we continually condemn ourselves, we don't have confidence that God has forgiven us. Listen, the day I got saved, October 12, 1995, I know heaven is my home. Amen? Amen. I'm going to heaven, not because of a prayer that I prayed, not because a pastor led me in a word of prayer, not because I think I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to heaven because Jesus died for me. And I've trusted him as my Savior. He shed his blood. He is my Savior. So if I can trust him to take my soul to an eternal heaven and keep me from an eternal hell, can I trust him to help me with the problem that I'm facing, the enemy, the critics, the criticism, the heartache, the hardship, whatever I'm going through, can I trust him? Yes. Amen? Amen? You can. He's a great and powerful God. So, We get to the place sometimes where we break fellowship. Sometimes we break fellowship with God because sin enters into our lives. Once that happens, sometimes we begin to break fellowship with those around us because we don't want to be around them because it reminds us that we ought to be in fellowship with God. (laughs) So we want to break fellowship. And sometimes we get to that place, don't we? It's okay to say amen in this church. (laughs) And we break fellowship. Fellowship's been broken with God. I'll break fellowship this way too because I'm uncomfortable with the way I'm feeling. I don't want to hear the critics and I don't want to hear the criticism. I'm done. Finished. They can go do whatever they want. And we get to that place. And I want to challenge you to think about this for just a moment. 
I believe when we're doing that, we try to merit God's love. We get to the place where we think what we do determines how much God loves us. Am I right? We all do it. Listen, I'm I'm not joking about it. I'm telling you the truth. I know. And we're trying to merit God's love. And the wonderful thing about my Savior is, even when I break fellowship, his love's not changed for me. (laughs) He still loves me. Whoa. When my boys break fellowship with me over something, it doesn't mean that they're not my son. (laughs) They still are. Are you with me? And I love them. I might be upset, angry, and despise maybe even what they did. But, they are still my children. Amen? And I love them. That is your God. Don't try to merit his love. God loves you. What he wants is obedient. How many of you want obedient children? Amen? We just do. And we want that obedience and we want to see that. But here's the thing. Uh, our lives are this way. God loves us based on who he is, not on what we do. I'm so thankful for that. How about you today? I am so grateful he loves me for who he is and not the things I do. That's what makes him a powerful God, doesn't it? (laughs) When I look to the scriptures and I see these things, when criticism comes, we want to retaliate, we get angry. And listen, we cannot merit the love of God. He loves us. He first loved us. Do you know that? We couldn't even love him, but he first loved us. (laughs) And we turn to God and say, God, we love you. And we could not love him unless he first loved us. For God so loved the world, amen? He loved us first. (laughs) And we can love him back now. Thank God we got a loving God. We got a forgiving God. I share this with you. You can look at this at some time. Uh, Just real quick, let's let's turn over Romans 8 real quick. I want to show you something. I think a lot of people struggle with this. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 34 with me. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Look at verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is is even at the right hand of of God, who also maketh intercession for us. How many of you are glad your Savior is sitting on the right hand of our Father? Amen. Amen. That's something, something, isn't it? I mean, this is the Word of God, folks. This is what God's telling us. Look at the very next verse. He says uh, in, in the very next verse, who shall separate us from the love of God? You know, I find that an interesting phrase. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Isn't that interesting? Because I want you to watch this now. He never brings up a person's name. He never brings up a person. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Let me tell you what I believe he means by that. This is you making decisions then. It's you making choices. It's you allowing things to enter into your lives, and that's what's separating you. But he's saying, who is he that condemneth? Who is he that separates? Who is he that does this thing? And notice what he says. He says, shall tribulation? Is that a person? Is that a who? I mean, come on, Paul, get English right, amen? 
Who are we talking about here? Who shall separate us? Who's going to separate us? Tribulation, notice what he says. Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. You tell me who the who is in that. Who is it? It can only be ourselves, would you agree? I think it's a rhetorical question that we need to ask ourselves. Are we going to separate ourselves from the love of God because of these things? Are we going to try to separate ourselves from the one who loves us? And he says this to us. And he says, as it is written, for, they, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep uh, for the slaughter. Notice this. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're more than conquerors. We're saved. Amen. Heaven's our home. The Holy Spirit resides in you. Yes, there's tribulation, there's distress, there's peril, there's problems, amen? But what's going to separate you from the love of God? I love what Paul does here, for I am persuaded. <laughs> you ought to underline that in your Bible, because we ought to be persuaded, amen? I am persuaded. Are you? I am persuaded. And he says that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You cannot merit the love of God. He loves you. What he's looking for is obedient children. <laughs> you can't merit it. You got to let him love you. When that criticism comes, we need to take into account what Peter said here. Look in verse 22 of 1 Peter chapter 2. The last phrase in verse 21, that ye should follow his steps. Everybody with me? Verse 22, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, the latter part of it says that ye should follow his steps. How many of you see that this morning? Amen? Now notice why we should follow his steps. It's right in verse 22. Who did no... Why should we follow him? Why should we follow in his steps? He never sinned. Why should we do what he's telling us to do? Because he never sinned. Your Savior never sinned. And he says now, based upon this, let me give you these steps. He who saved us has made us free from sin, has he not? Mm -hmm. Romans 6, 7 tells us that we've been freed from sin. Sin no more has dominion over us, amen? It doesn't have control over us anymore. And so I look at his steps and I say, well, what are his steps? Well, a wise man will adhere to these truths following his steps. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Trick, decoy, deceit, or craftiness. <laughs> he wasn't tricking anybody. He wasn't trying to be deceitful. He wasn't doing anything like that at all. He was not a manipulator. If you're a manipulator, shame on you. You don't need to manipulate other people. And you don't need to try to manipulate yourself. We need to look to who Christ is. Neither was guile found in his mouth. No trick, no deceit, no craftiness. When he was reviled, 
reviled not again. In other words, he didn't vilify or criticize. He didn't rail upon them. He didn't reply when he suffered. He did not do those things. And what we want to do is vilify the person that we think is the enemy now. That's what we want to try to accomplish. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. He threatened not. In other words, he didn't decide he's going to become a menace and become that person who says, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Warning them in that sense. I'm going to let loose on you here in a minute. And that's what Christ had no part of that. But here's what he did do. <laughs> he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Do you know what that means? <laughs> he absolutely surrendered or yielded himself to entrust God with what happened. I'm going to trust the Lord with that. So when the critics and the criticism come, remember that you have a God that loves you. How many of you know God loves you? <laughs> Amen? He loves you. This isn't to discourage you. This is to encourage you. We're going to have critics. We're going to have criticism. We're going to have people that are wrong in their attitude, their approach, their actions, their spirit, the way they behave. <laughs> and it may come as a painful hurt to you, but God says those that endure grief Suffering wrongfully. <laughs> Endure that because that's when it's acceptable to God. It's thankworthy at that time. When, when you do something wrong, when you know you've done wrong, and listen, we know when we do wrong, amen? We know when we've done wrong. And, and something comes upon you as a result of the wrong that you've done, don't sit back and have a pity party and put a thousand candles on a cake and have an oh, woe is me and I might as well eat worms. Stop for a minute and say, Okay, Lord, because he says, so what when you do wrong? But man, when you're doing right and things come wrong, he said, that's when it's acceptable when you do right. I didn't write the book, amen? <laughs> I'm just preaching it. And so God told us what to do. So I challenged you when we started, are you following the steps of Christ when critics, criticism, and hurt come to your life. I gave you seven key things you ought to think about when it comes your way. And we need to approach it in a godly manner. Let's pray.